0: Well, two weeks ago, we spoke about what on earth are we doing here, the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. And essentially, we said that we as the church are to be glory carriers, to export the image of God into all the earth. And last week, we considered ourselves as the temple of God. We saw how the original design of the tabernacle was a model of heaven, was to be the place where the glory of God was displayed. And it was also where the priest could represent the people and intercede for them. And thirdly, it was the place of corporate worship. We said that the church has taken up these roles until Jesus has returned. We also considered our responsibility to be clean vessels, to be vessels fit for the indwelling of God by his spirit. Knowing that we will all give an account one day, and especially those who lead for the way they build. And we suggested that if we're to be in unity, if we're in unity with one another, the more unity there is, the greater the blessing of God that can be poured upon us. And then finally last week we considered Ezekiel 47, where, we, where the water flows out from the temple and we saw that the purpose of being filled with God's glory by his spirit is ultimately to bring healing to the nations. This week, building on where we've been, we're going to consider the church as a body. This is one of the most fundamental and important images in the New Testament. Paul uses the phrase, the body of Christ, 12 times in his letters. That's how important it was in terms of all that he was saying to the church in his day. And each usage brings a different aspect to us. However, there are primarily two perspectives that Paul brings in all of these references. The first one is that Christ is the head of the body. And secondly, that we are members of it. And so we're going to look at those two aspects. First of all, the fact that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body. And then secondly, what it means that we are all members of that body. So let's start with Ephesians 1, and chapter eighteen, uh, verse 18. If you've got a Bible, it might be handy because we're going to read quite a few scriptures today. So if you want to stick with me, it might benefit if you can... Uh, have your Bible open and just flip over because we're, we're only really going to be in Ephesians, Colossians and Corinthians. So verse 18 of chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul is reminding us that Jesus is the one, when he was raised from the dead, he didn't just come back to earth, but he was raised to the highest place in the heavens. And he is seated on the throne of the universe. And all things are in subjection to him, things in heaven and things on earth. But then he says this this phrase in verse 22. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave his head over all things to the church. God has exercised his incredible power by raising Christ from the dead and seating him at his right hand above all authority. Right now, Jesus reigns over the world. He reigns over kings. He reigns over governments. He reigns over everything that sets itself up in authority. All things are subjected to Jesus. Everything is under his feet. And he is the head of everything. There is a day coming when he will return and will exact that rule upon the earth. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right now, however, Paul says that Christ is head over everything for the church. He's reigning in heaven so that we can do his work on the earth. I'll say that again. He's reigning in heaven so that we can do his work on the earth. We are working for the king of kings. And he is exacting his reign on earth through us. Did you know that you're an ambassador to the the king of kings? That you've got responsibility for ruling this earth on his behalf? Does that mean we too have authority over kings and governments? Well, try going down to Westminster and commanding the government. You'll see how much political power you have. However, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying the role of the church is to bring people into the knowledge of God through the cross so that they can come out from under living as the world determines and live as members of Christ's body under his headship. Yes, we are subject to the laws of the land in which we live, but we, like they, whether they acknowledge it or not, are subject to a higher authority. And so through the power of the gospel, we bring people out from under the rule of Satan, and we bring them under the headship of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we complete the work that was established through the cross. And Jesus has chosen to partner with frail humans such as us to complete his work. In that very real sense, we are the body of Christ on earth. We are his eyes. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his voice. And it's only as the church carries out its God-given work that the good news of Jesus Christ is made known to this world and the liberation of the gospel can have its effect in the lives of men and women. Of course, this doesn't override the work of the Holy Spirit who's at work in the world to convict and convince of sin. However, God has chosen to work out his purposes through his people. And that is us. And as you and I function as members of the body of Christ, so we bring the rule and reign of Christ into the lives of those who surrender and submit to him. You and I have great responsibility. We work hand in hand as partners with the King of Kings to fulfill his purpose in the earth. Hello? Uh That's Jesus calling. He's, he says, turn off your phone. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 15. Or verse 14. For he himself is at peace, who made both groups into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so that he himself, he might... Uh, So that in himself he might make the two one into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. This is the second reference in Ephesians to the body of Christ, one new body. And in this verse, Paul is emphasizing that there are no longer two humanities, one the chosen people and one the not chosen people, i.e. the Jews and Gentiles. Through the cross, Jesus has broken down the dividing wall that kept us Gentiles out from the blessing of God. and We have now have access into the, new, the one new body through the blood of Jesus. We who had no part in the purposes of God are now central to the purposes of God in the world because we are now part of his chosen people. And Paul continues to develop this through in Ephesians 3.6 when he says, We are heirs together with Israel, members of one body and sharers in the promise of Christ. We have great privilege this morning. We were not chosen in Abraham, but we were chosen in Christ to become part of his purposes. And in Ephesians 4.16, Paul tells us that it's from the head. The whole body, supported and held together by ligaments and sinews, that it grows up as God causes it to grow. It's by being a body and being linked to Jesus that the body of Christ can grow on the earth and that you and I as individuals can grow. In other words, as the body of Christ remains submitted to the head, Jesus, so the body will grow. And the emphasis in these verses in chapter 4 is on remaining connected to one another through speaking the truth in love. Not separating from one another so that we can, uh, uh, we've got to stay connected so that we can continue the work of Jesus. And it's also through acknowledging the fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. That Jesus himself is appointed in the body. That the body might come to maturity. In other words, you and I are not called to be lone rangers. Even the lone ranger had tonto. We are called to be connected to one another, to submit to that which Jesus has placed in the body for our good. Turn over to Colossians, page one thousand one hundred twenty-four in my Bible. <laughs> Colossians one eighteen. He is also the head of the the church. The body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to our first place in everything. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And here Paul is affirming what he's already said in Ephesians. It's Jesus who is our head, and his will needs to be preeminent amongst us. His will needs to be the motivation of our lives, for his will is the purpose for which we are here. Colossians one twenty four Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Paul makes up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. In other words, he sees his suffering as continuing the suffering of Jesus himself, who died and gave himself for us. And in a similar way, Paul is suffering because of his commitment to Christ's body, the church to see it built up and strengthened. And as each one of us commits ourselves, there will be times of pain, there will be times of suffering, but we're just aligning ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ when we do that in order to see his work and his will fulfilled. Colossians 2.19. And not hold, uh, start in 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. Taking his stand in visions he's seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And not holding fast to the head from whom that entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with the growth which is from God. It's from the head that the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews. It grows as God causes it to grow. Now, Paul is referred to the same image in Ephesians 4.16. But here he's also suggesting that those who have gone off into heresy or into error have done so because they've lost connection with the head. It's important that we never lose connection with our head, Lord Jesus Christ. That we remain surrendered and submitted and fulfill his will, not our own. Connecting to God will keep us from error. Connecting to Jesus the head will keep us from going off where we shouldn't be. So from all these scriptures, we can see quite clearly a pattern of thought that Paul has developed. Jesus is the head of all things. The church is his body on the earth and he's ruling so that we can do the work that he's left us here to do. And if we're to grow, we need to individually and collectively remain connected to him and connected to one another. We need to be submitted to him and his will in our lives So that we can fulfill his purposes and he can fulfill his purposes through us. If we don't remain connected to him, we will be in danger of drifting off into error. So remain connected to the head. Remember that Jesus is Lord, that he's reigning, and that actually our purpose in all of our lives is to fulfill his purpose. Now we turn to the second half of what Paul is saying in these verses about the body. In 1 Corinthians 12 12 to 31, which we'll come back to, he says there are many gifts in one body. In Ephesians 4:4, 4, 4, he says there is just one body, not many bodies. In Ephesians 5 30, he says we are members of his one body. In Colossians I'm not expecting you to follow these, by the way. In Colossians three: fifteen. He says, since you are members of one body, you are called to peace. Being in the body means peace. And we should be at peace with one another in the body. And then Romans 12, 4 to 5. Though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all. And so there's, there's some common themes about what it means to be together in the body of Christ.